What's going on, El Paso? You're listening to the Coldest Zone podcast with your hosts, Ted Stansberry and Jason Flores. We're talking about all the top players, teams, and coaches in the Sun City. Yeah, you think you know, but you have no idea. Don't miss out on the behind-the-scenes talk of who's dominating on Friday Night Lights. Yo, like you've never heard before. Download our podcast on your favorite podcast application. Gia. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's go, Jay. Episode four. Damn, dog. You went from Edmund to Edmundo real quick. El Paso changed me, man. Yeah, come on, man. That's where to jump on. That's my roots, dude. <laughs> hey, Jay. Episode four already, man. Dude, that's crazy. That's crazy, man. Hey, so check it out. I was going through Twitter today, and you Uh-oh. know me. I'm about 12 months into doing Oh, yeah. You a newbie for sure. <laughs> Doug, I'm really bad at it. But it did get me thinking, man. You know, if we if we had Twitter back in our day, dude, like, who do you think would be the, oh, like the Twitter shit, head, dog? Man, I got two names that popped into my head <laughs> real quick. Who you got? Brad and Stad oh, Glover. That's all, all day dang. long. Hey, I'm talking. These dudes were beasts on the field, right? Right. Twins, you know, both oh. got scholarships to University of Arizona and talked a lot of shit. Dude, they talked so much <laughs> shit. A lot. They talked so You know the bad thing was that they were talking shit to us on the other side of the ball <laughs> hey, Monday but, through Thursday. But they backed it up. I dude, mean, they were beasts. Dude, they were strong. They were fast. They were quick. They were, they were smart players. And, uh, you know, Twitter back then for the, <laughs> you know, Coach Shaw was always talking about you guys better not give anybody any bulletin board material, you know, you know, talking smack in, in, in the papers. But uh, Twitter back then with Dude, them, man, been, oh, oh man, they would have been banned for Dude, sure. They would have been talking trash week one <laughs> to like all like the West Texas teams. Hey, my Dude. boy, uh, my boy, Rondu McMasters too. Oh, hey, he my. was our he was our our, our H back. Uh, he played cornerback from Brooklyn, right? Yeah, Brooklyn. Yeah, I don't know man. nobody in Yonkers. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rondu would have been talking smack too, Dude, man. He, he was talking smack since like the sixth grade. <laughs> <laughs> and went to junior high together, dude. But let me tell you, Brad Stad and Rondu, they all backed it up on the field, man. Those are our boys, man. I love them to death, but dude, they would have blew Twitter up. Hey, don't forget La Spada, man. Dude, hey, he was one of the meanest linebackers out there, dog. Dude, hey, he was that guy in the locker room that was like banging his head against the lockers, throwing up, like, and he just went ballistic when he went out there. Dude, he had like the like the ultimate warrior paint face. Oh yeah, and he tried to like 
Jay, let's hit heads. Nah, dog. Uh-uh. <laughs> you missed me with yeah. that. <laughs> you a beast, man. I love you, dog, but you a beast. Yeah, man. But, yo, big ups to, to La Spada, man. He's been doing his thing at Franklin. Yeah, congratulations to him. And, hey, uh, what what other coaches you think uh, would have been? <laughs> I, I think of uh, JP, Jesse Perales. If, if he had oh. Twitter when he was at Bel Air, he would have been lighting that uh dude jp i love you dog but man he would have been trash talking and they weren't even that good man <laughs> they weren't even that good no nah, he had andre sessions back in the day didn't he he ain't that old nah jp little, did he really he's only a couple years older than us sessions went to jeff dog oh uh, yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> you know who else would have been lighting it up Julio Lopez. Oh, yeah. <laughs> was the Mobwood Rams. Oh, straight oh. Eastsider, man. He'd have been posting all his highlights <laughs> from Prep 1. You know? <laughs> Dude, yeah. But let me tell you, man. He, he The dude was a baller, so he would back it up. That's okay. Hey, but really, though, like, this was something I was thinking about this week. Like, Twitter has, like, changed the game, right? For yeah. recruiting, for exposure for kids and um like what do you think about coaches because there's some coaches that have been around since we played right jay yeah 25 30 years and what do you think about those coaches that haven't jumped into the social media platforms you know to to help promote their school help promote their kids you know you look at gary recoder out at uh, riverside you look at ariel famaligi coach fama he's always like pumping up his kids, reaching out to coaches. And, you know, I think, you know, you got to adapt with the times, right, to help your kids out. Yeah, and it'd be really tough, man, for the old school coaches. You know, when I think of that, I think of Coach Shaw. There ain't no way in hell he gets. <laughs> <laughs> there ain't no way. You know what? Because these guys are old school, man. You Dude, know, go hey. out there and you prove it on the field, and that's where all the talk needs to be. We have a hard enough time explaining to to Rick, uh, Rick Hernandez, executive director, <laughs> uh, all the stuff we do on on social media. But can I think you? I'm gonna hey, pull his phone, dog. Hey, but but in Coach Shaw's defense, to like he was a master. Yeah, at promoting his kids. He was. I mean, he did it the old school way, sending out VHS tapes uh, to all the different schools. Dog, he was sending out stuff on kids that didn't even go to Irvin. Dude, I don't know if it was Tony DeQueer or not. It was somebody from Parkland. It was a Charles Jackson, maybe. He was sending out their film to all the coaches along with the players from Irvin. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's crazy, real, dude. Hey, so the whole Tony White story, you know, I, I did a lot of interviews uh, this year with, with Arizona State and him coming back for the Sun Bowl. But Coach Shaw was the first one when UCLA said, hey, we had a scholarship that opened up. They went to Coach Shaw. They went to me after and were like, is there any players here in El Paso that could play at UCLA? And Coach Shaw said, go to Burgess, look at Tony White. And, dude, that Dang. that's how it happened. That's man. real. Yeah. Man. That's real. You know, Tony didn't even take an official visit. It was so late in the game. He just said, yes, I'm going. And boom, we were off together. Dude, and he, man – he had got that scholarship and he ran with it, man. Oh, yeah, man. Doing great things. Big ups to him out in Syracuse. Let's go back a little bit, man. What? <laughs> what other coaches do you think that would kill Twitter, man? Or I guess 
coaches now, but players back then. Uh, what about I, the Taurus brothers? Man? Oh, <laughs> hey, <laughs> My hey, brothers, man. Hey, Mark, and I know Mark always calls us and texts us after he listens to to the episode. Yeah, big shout out to Mark. Mark would have been the one in high school tweeting out the inspirational quotes, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and RT would have been lighting people oh, up. Oh, my God. <laughs> RT be right behind him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but RT, uh, man, and Mark, man, Fantastic coaches, man. Great players, but fantastic coaches. Yeah, man. We're going to have to get them on uh, on uh, one of these episodes just to talk about their story, man. And, and, you know, what they've been through to get to where they're at. And, you know, we look forward to that. But, yeah, man, Twitter has changed the game, dude. Dude, it's bad for me, man. I'm still trying to learn it. But, yeah, for sure. It has, man. Nice. Well, Jay, episode four, we got another nice lineup. What we got for today? Yeah, so we'll go ahead and get into the 915 Showcase top returning running backs. RBs in the house. So last episode, we talked about the um, top five returning wide receivers, and we'll get into the RBs. You know, there were so many RBs coming back that we even did like a little notable list on the side. So that will be cool, too. And then uh, after that, we'll go ahead and take it back a little bit, man. We're going to flash back, man. And we'll, yeah, so just remember, so last episode, we talked about, you know, the perks. Yeah, the perks of being a student athlete. Rodman, the castle. <laughs> hey, I got, a, I got castle. in trouble for that one, man. I'm glad I didn't uh, dig in a little deeper on nah, that story. That's why we're just going to take it back a little bit further than that, man. And this was a time, I think, that really bonded our friendship. Though. Oh, man, no doubt. Man. I mean, it was a difficult time for both of us, man. It was a time when, you know... Me being home trying to figure out and just trying to get my career started. Yeah. And you just trying to continue that, you know, that dream job that you were going to get, right. you know, and right. going into the NFL. So we'll get into that a little bit uh, later. And then we'll also get to what's in the inbox. Oh, man. I hope it's good this week. <laughs> <laughs> it is, man. For the inbox, we'll go ahead and get into a uh, little bit of Pop Warner football. And we should be good, man. Don't do it. Don't do it. Nah, I ain't going to do it. But we will take it back to our days, man. Yeah, man. On how we started. A lot of uh, a lot of good information. You know, that's something. And we'll get into it in a little bit. But, you know, both of our upbringings, just the way we were raised kind of set the table for us uh, for our future. So excited to talk about this. But thank you guys so much for downloading and subscribing. This is episode four of The Cultist Zone. Hey, man, let's go ahead and get into the 915 Showcase Top 5 Returning Running Backs. Last year, we had a lot of underclassmen that really stepped up, and this is going to be their year this year. Well, really, Jay, it's the next three, right? Yeah, for sure. Because we know who one and two are. (laughs) Right. In no particular order, but who we got uh, this week? Let's go ahead and get into the 915 Showcase Top 5 Returning Running Backs. A lot of good running backs played last year were underclassmen that started. Dude, this list is stacked, man. Yeah, it's really stacked. And let's start up in Austin, man. Isaiah Witter starter, 
balled from game one. He had 330 yards his first game. And then after that, man, he was out for a few weeks, but came back with another 300-yard game. So he should have a big year this year with him and Will. Yeah, man, those those two guys, you know, hold this team on their shoulders. So, you know, both play both sides of the ball. So interesting to see how their senior year is going to play out. Yeah, and how about the 5A Offensive Player of the Year out of Del Valle, Joel Serrano, 5'10", 192, man. Good-sized kid. Dude, and he plays soccer, man. So he got that quick feet, man. That's perfect for a running back. <laughs> and speaking of quick feet, even though he's 5'10", 267 pounds, man, Trayvon Ware, now he's out of Parkland, playing at Andrews last year. But Hold up, what? Yeah, man, that's the big news. No more Andrews Eagles? No more Andrews Eagles, man. He's a matador now. He's going to finish out his high school career up at Parkland. Remember, Trayvon made the national news last year. What that big time run, man. That 80 yard run where he dragged 11 guys. Dude. 80 yards down. Hey, I don't know if you're on TikTok. Yeah, you're on TikTok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, his run popped up on my TikTok, on my FYP page, man. He's a bad dude, man. Hey, man, that's and crazy. Speaking of a bad dude, man, his dad was his dad was clean back in the day. Hey, Mike Ware. Hey, Mike was built like Ron Dane, just like Trayvon, man. They all oh, got yeah. the same body. Mike was tough as nails. He was fast. He was strong. He was the baddest dude I ever faced in middle school, and we played a lot of good teams, man. Mike Ware played for Bassett Middle School along with uh, Jay Harris and Terry Nichols and Mike, Mike Jones. Jones. Yeah. Dude, they were stacked. It yeah. was stacked. And we played them for the for the championships, man. And Yeah, you know, they, they got roots back in Alabama, and they are just built different, man, that Ware family. And so that's crazy, dude. Parkland now? Yeah. yeah, so he's – and, you know, the thing about Parkland, man, they're stacked at running back, man. They got Obanen back there, and they also have uh, Jonathan Barton. Barton. Yeah. So it should be, you know – that should be interesting, honestly, who's going to take that Yeah, uh, no lead. doubt. But, no uh, doubt. Let's go ahead and finish out the top two, man. And these guys are no secret. Tavares Jones from Burgess, man. 13, uh, shoot, what is he up to? 15 now, probably. D1 offers. Yeah, man. I mean, we're talking Penn State, Alabama, Georgia Tech, Baylor. I could go on and on, man. This dude. You could have stopped at Alabama and Texas, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if any other offers come back in. And that's something about the recruiting process. So, Texas offered him first. That was like his first big offer, right? Right. And then Alabama comes in. So that tells you, dude, Nick Saban and that crew, they are on top of their shit. Like for me, after that Alabama offer, all these other schools that are offering him are just playing copycat. Yeah. Oh, well, Alabama offer, you know, and (laughs) and, and Alabama ain't going to offer you unless you're legit. Let's get that straight. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And so do me a favor. You certified him last year. Week eight. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Break down his film. Tell yep. me what you see in Tavares. Dude, man. So look, like I pulled up his huddle account. And like, you know, I, I know he he's a tremendous athlete, but I really wanted to spend the time to see his game film, see how he's playing, see how he's running. And let me just start with this, Jay. Tavoris is six foot, 180 pounds. Good size. How old are you as a sophomore? 15 years old? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm telling you, man, he looked like a, a college sophomore out there in a Burgess uniform. Yeah. And he's only a sophomore, but you look at speed, you know, at the running back position, it is essential, right, to right. pull away uh, from the defenders. And this guy is outrunning angles. 
and it's just not even close, man. His leg turnover, his 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 foot cycle. I mean, it's just something that you see on an NFL back. Uh, let's just be honest. And you know, he we all know he has a bright future ahead of him. If you watch the film, pull up his huddle account, man. The the film never lies. The <laughs> eye in the sky never lies. And uh, you know, but there's just so many different facets of his game. Uh, to make him a complete running back. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can catch the ball down the field. I even saw him go back to throw a pass last year, right? Right. Pulled it down and ran it in for a 50-yard touchdown. So, I mean, look, man, he, Jay, you told me last year, like, hey, this kid, uh, you know, is a freshman at Burgess. He's dunking. In basketball. <laughs> and it's just like I told you last year, or even the, it was a little bit before last year. I saw him when he was in eighth grade at Ross Middle School. Hey, hold he up. Hold up. Ross Middle School. Let me just say, dude, that that is the true <laughs> running back you here in El Paso. You, hey, right? You got that right. You got Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. Aaron Dumas. And Tavoris Jones. Yeah, man. Yeah. The trifecta. So that's real, man. But uh, no, getting back to that, Jay, um, you know, to to be dunking as a freshman, that just shows you how much explosion he has. And I think my, the, the best trait I like about him as a running back is he's he's shifty enough to avoid contact and get around people. And that's just going to extend his career, man. That's going to increase his longevity um, as a running back. And that is a huge upside for these Alabamas and these Texases and these Penn States that are looking at him. Yeah, he's just going to get stronger and even better, man. I'm so excited for this season to see Tavoris out there. Um, and you see know. how he handles this, man. This was, I mean, this is pub that was way beyond his thinking, I'm sure. Oh, uh, and it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure on you because you're, there's always thoughts as an athlete, like, what if I don't perform, you know, like, yeah. What if people lose interest in me in my junior campaign? And something like that comes to the season where you have a player that's got the X on his back, right? Now all the teams that they play, they not only just want to take Tavoris out or beat him or stop him with, you know, two yards for the game, but they want to smash that team, dude. Hey, he has a target on his back, just like Aaron Dumas has had for the last couple of years. And, you know, as long as Tavoris continues his focus and continues to show improvement and get better, obviously all these schools saw something in him as a sophomore that said, we want this guy. So he just has to continue to get better and to build on that. And I have every expectation that he's going to go out there and do that. You know, it's crazy e, because I think about when you were going through this, when you were going through your time of, all these big recruits, you know, I felt as your best friend, as your running back, like we had to be careful who we hung out with after that, because we had to put ourselves in a situation where you are who you hang out with, you know, just because your name's out there don't mean that you've, you've won the trophy already. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, man. And, you know, I think Tavoris has good people around him. You know, he has Coach Rutledge there guiding him and mentoring yeah. him through this. So uh, he has the right people around him. Yeah. So to finish out our top five, we got the man, Aaron Dumas, over 3,200 yards. 3,200 yards in one season, dog. Hey, so Tavoris is getting all the bigger offers than, than Aaron Dumas, right? Yeah. Aaron Dumas is still my number one running back in this city. 
Dude, he's proved himself. Like you said, exactly. he's had that X on his back for the last few years. Exactly. exactly. A lot of people don't understand. I mean, to get to the top is great, and it's a tough, you know, route. But it's one thing to stay up there, man. Yeah. And, and that's Aaron what Dukes, he's done. Since his sophomore campaign, man, he's come out every year and dominated. And, you know, I don't expect his senior year to be any different. There may be questions from Dumas, like... What am I doing different than Tavoris Jones? How come I'm not getting those type of offers? But as an athlete, you can't think like that. No. No. You know what? Aaron is doing everything. We've talked we talked about it in episode one. He's doing everything in his control. He works out hard. He's taking care of business. He's he's put on the size. Yeah. He has the speed. Jay, I mean, Dude, I was, he's, he's uh, a he's a real humble young man. We met him uh, uh, this past year when he went on to the uh Nine overtime show, humble, humble young man, and I give a lot of credit to his dad, Ron Dumas. You know, just keeping him grounded, keeping him focused, and that's that's all he needs to do. And let all that other stuff just be outside noise, man. Yeah, man, just focus on yourself, dude. And 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 I think that's one thing, man. Like you know, I look at all the attention and recognition I was getting in high school. I didn't really fully comprehend all of that until my career was done. I'm talking after I was done with the NFL was the time that I went back and reflected and like, oh, damn, I didn't even know I was ranked like this or doing this, you know. And and as long as they take care of now, everything like we just just like we said with divorce, man, everything else uh, will fall in place. But yeah, Aaron Dumas, man, like this this winter, we were I was part of that blue gray combine that comes into town every year. Oh, that's right. And uh, Seneca Wallace, one of my former teammates from the Seahawks, he was out there and uh, we did hand times. But uh, two guys clocked him at a four, four, four. So he's working on his speed then. Dude, man. Hey, I told you, episode one, UCLA wanted to see that next gear. Hey, if four, four ain't that next gear, I don't know what is. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So with all those good running backs, man, there's also a few other running backs that we wanted to note as well, man. You know, when I think of other running backs that had a really good year, but probably went down on injury or kind of just shared the rock a little bit. I think of Pablo Gutierrez from Franklin, man. You know, the kid, you know, he's been through injury after injury after injury. But if he stays healthy, man, he's he's a he's a hardworking kid. Man, the kid can block. He can obviously run the rock, too. Yeah, man. Some unfortunate injuries. I think it was a collarbone or something yeah. last year. He had but, a few uh, breaks. That was a, that was a, a key missing piece of the puzzle for Franklin last year because Gutierrez could pull away from people. Yeah, yeah. Because and you know what? They actually had another running back out there last year that was Sutton. I think is what his name was. Yeah, Edwin Sutton. EJ. Yeah. Yeah. So and and both of those guys played injured so but uh, this year i hope and i pray that he stays healthy man so he can go out there and run the rock some other kids that i look at is from from pebble hills Donacio, marine man those guys are out there and you know because those guys play running back and slot back as well yeah Donacio, we remember we talked about this last year or you talked about this last year on your show was originally at East Lake and then transferred over to Pebble Hills, moved into that that district. But you know, Donacio is a guy. He is a straight athlete, man. You you need him on the field anywhere. And if Coach Torres, I talked to Coach Torres last week, and you know, he has a few guys that can fill the duty at the running back spot. Yeah, he mentioned either they play running back or they're gonna play something, but they're, they're gonna, gonna be, be on the field. field. Yep. Yeah. 
And also, he was a freshman last year at Aconitio, LJ Martin, man. I think he might be moving to quarterback. I'm not 100% sure on that. But if he is, hey, if he's the best athlete on the field, you got to get him on the field. Absolutely. If he's the best athlete on the field, put him behind the center and let him run that offense. I don't care if he's, if you're running quarterback keeper. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Every play, and Coach Brooks will find a way to make it work. But L.J. Martin making noise as a freshman yeah, he stepped uh, with in. Canatio. They battled some injuries there at the running back spot, and L.J. stepped in. So uh, rest assured, hey, Coach Brooks knows what he's doing, man. Yeah, no doubt about that. You know, and, you know, they'll find a way to make it work and, and, and get him and make him productive in that offense. And some other big running backs, man. And these two guys are going to be joining uh, Trayvon out there at Parkland. Jonathan Barton and Obanen out there. Jonathan Barton, I think, is probably going to be your starter at day one. He does it all, man. He, you know, he shared the carries last year with Obanen. But this kid is, man, he's got the speed. He's got the quickness. But the good thing about him on his film, man, he is blocking downfield for his wide receivers, for his other running back, man. That's the kind of stuff that you want to see. Hey, dude, you know, that's something that I use. And I think that's what helped me get discovered. When I was at UCLA, you know, I'm blocking for Deshaun Foster. Like my goal was I wanted to be there wherever Deshaun got tackled. I was going to be there to pick him up because I was going to do two things. One, it was going to help me be conditioned because I practiced like that. Two, when scouts and everybody else were watching film and they're like, damn, this fullback ran 50 yards down the field. Yeah. After he made his blocks. Dude. And he's he's showing up in the screen. That's nuts. Yeah. That's how you need to be. And uh, if he's doing that, man, he's doing all the right things, man. So props to you. Yeah. And, you know, me being a former running back, some of the best advice I got from my offensive line coach, Coach Stewart, you know, one of the best to out there, you know, to uh, do oh, it. Oh, yeah. Best to do it, man. You know, he sat me down one, probably like the third game that I started as a junior. And he said, hey, you know what? Let me show you our blocking schemes just so you understand. And at that time, I was really cocky, dude. I thought, just give yeah, me the rock. Were. And... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, just give me the rock and let me do my thing. But when he taught me base blocking, zone blocking, and, and which that allowed me to understand my options, my checks. You know what I'm saying? If there's any advice I'd give to any of these running backs, to all these players, really, up your football IQ. Yeah. Up it, man. You know, get with an offensive coordinator and just understand everybody's job so you can be the best that you can be on the field. Remember, you know, as a running back, a 50-yard touchdown is as important as a backside block for your quarterback. That's, that is Great advice, Jason, because like from high school to college. Okay. So for high school, you may have a football period, right? You may watch film, you know, here and there, but at the college level, like dog, you're watching film half the day. Yeah. In meetings and it's, it's to understand and to break it down. And then when you get into the NFL, it's you take it up another notch, you know, and for kids, I mean, they they have it so easy with huddle. Like, dude, you can. I mean, that's how I watch the kids. I just pull it up on my phone when I'm when I'm laying in bed, you know, and and I'm watching film and 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 looking at these guys. And for kids to understand, to go out to the field at the high school level and to fully understand what your job is, to fully understand who your opponent is and how your opponent plays you know, like is a game changer. If you can understand that and grasp that at the high school level, man, it'll just set you apart before we even get into skill set. 
Dude, you you know what? It's 80 to 90% that you've won that battle already. Yeah. I already know what he's going to do. Right. I already know what his strengths are. And and I think about you, Jay, when you ran, you were so patient as a running back. You, you know, you knew to let the blocks form, let the blocks happen. And then you put your foot in the ground and you were north and south. And uh, that's what that one made you so successful. Yeah. So those are our top five returning running backs. And next week, man, we'll get into our top five quarterbacks, man. Yeah, man. This is a list, man. The running backs, you know, I got a passion. Both both of us, Jay, you know, me being a fullback uh, at UCLA in the league and then you you at Irving and at Western. But I'm excited for these guys to ball out this year. Dude, you know what? We've been pretty fortunate the last two years. We had Hankins, man, and he broke the city record. And then we had Aaron Dumas come right behind him and break that record. So we've been pretty fortunate, man. We had some good running backs the last few years, so good luck to them this year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, welcome everybody back to... Damn, Jay, hold up. Man, I'm sorry, man. You know we're recording. Hey, I've been snacking on this Sancho jerky since the beginning of the show. Ah, uh, Sancho jerky, man. Hey, they always come through. Jesse Hernandez. Dude, when we were at our games uh, this year... Friday night, we always had the backpack filled with that green chili, that peppered OG. Man, you can't forget about the hot. And it's perfect for red beers. Dude, let me tell you, Jesse started this as a hobby. And now, man, it's blown up, man. Yeah, man, it's blown up uh, big time. And, you know, we always like to support local. Sancho Jerky got in on the ground floor, you heard? Sure did, man. You guys can hit him up on Instagram, Sancho Jerky. Call him, 915-503-9851. Put your orders in before football starts. The perfect snack. And you know what, Jay? What you got? It's more than just a snack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> That's my Morgan Freeman voice. <laughs> but hit up Sancho Jerky, Jesse Hernandez, 503-9851. G up. Let me see you go back. Hey. Hey. <laughs> That's a jam, hey. dude. <laughs> Flashback time, man. Flashback time. Hey, let's go ahead and take it back a little bit. We'll walk down a little bit of memory lane, man, for you and I. Yeah, man. What we got on the table? How far are we going back? So we're going to take it back to a time when I think that really bonded our friendship, dog. It was, you know, this time was a, it was a difficult time for both of us, man. You know, I had came back from Western. I'm trying to find a job. I'm trying to get a career, man. I'm trying to make something of myself. You, on the other hand, are trying to continue your dream job of staying in the NFL. Dog, man. The year was 2002. Damn. And, you know... And I'll expand on this in in another episode, but like I was an undrafted free agent, right, Jay? Yeah. Uh, Out of UCLA, I signed with the Houston Texans as a priority free agent. And I looked at Houston like this was going to be my best opportunity. There was a lot of teams, NFL teams that were looking at me on, on draft day as soon as the draft finished that were calling, you know, you were at you were there at the house with me. Dude, what a decision to go with the Texans, dog. It was like we like I remember sitting in the living room. Yeah. And it was the Texans or the Browns there. I mean, there was a lot of. So I had told my agent, like, if if I don't get drafted, I want to stay in California. That was like my initial thinking back then. And, you know, I wanted to be with the Chargers. I'd been blocking for LT, but. You know, Houston was a team that like 
through the through the combine and through pro day at UCLA, they were the most persistent in like they were the ones that were calling Irvin High School and wanted to talk to Coach Shaw and get my background. Like they, it's a pretty extensive process. Yeah. So when it came time to make a decision, like I looked at Houston as like, you know, this was a new franchise, right? Nobody had a starting spot, even though there were veterans on the roster. Like I felt like I believed enough in my game that I could go in there and have the best chance to make the 53 man roster. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened. And you know why I was the fourth string fullback when, you know, when, when I signed, uh, they had two vets. They had drafted my boy Jared Baxter out of UNM in the fifth round. So my goal was to go in and be the top two fullbacks for that team. Yeah. And so I go through the the training camp and I go through all the cuts and, and I'm on the roster. You know, I open up for the Dallas Cowboys opening day, first franchise game, uh, first franchise win. And I'm on cloud nine, dude, you know. Oh, I bet. And then everything just gets ripped out from underneath me, you know, and it was something that was out of my control. You know, we had so many different injuries at the offensive linemen and and with the Houston offense different than like uh, when I was with the Seahawks who really, you know, had the West Coast offense and utilized the fullback with Houston. It was like, dude, like we could carry one fullback and be fine. Mm -hmm. So, you know. I winded up getting moved to the practice squad and I was on practice squad for a couple of weeks. And then I eventually just got cut and, you know, completely devastated me, dude. And and that's why I have no sympathy for those teams. Yeah. When these guys are holding out for contracts for their money, like, no, get your money. Absolutely. Man. You know Absolutely. what I mean? You know, it was crazy how you say that because when you got released, Doug, I had a different perspective on the NFL. Yeah. Because it felt like it actually affected my family. Like, dude, what are you guys doing? Yeah, man. It was, you know, having that undrafted free agent label was just really difficult to overcome my entire time trying to make a roster um, in the NFL. But, you know, we'll get into that in another episode. But, Jay, you know, when when your life, when your dreams get ripped from you like that, it was unknown for me. Like, I was at Houston, and, you know, I had to throw all my stuff into a, into a moving van, and I came back uh, to El Paso. And even before I got back, my wife and I were, were driving back to El Paso. The New York Giants call me up and they're like, hey, we want you to come out in two weeks for a workout. So I was like, damn. Yeah. OK, so, you know, talking to my agent and talking to my trainer, I was like, OK, so what are these workouts going to be like? And they're like, well, you're they're going to want to do all the combine stuff with you. And then they'll finish with like individual stuff. So I'm like, okay, so I got to be in combine shape for all of these drills. Dude. <laughs> for the people that don't know, that's a different. Yeah, that's a different type of, of training. So getting, re- for the com- getting ready for a combine in, in my pro day at UCLA, my agent flew us out to the bubble. It's now known as the bubble. Disney Wide World of Sports. We we're out there in Florida, and uh, you know we lived in one of the resorts, me and everybody else that had signed with my agent. And uh, trained there for 30 days straight. We lived and breathed everything 
combine training. Yeah. And it just takes so much out of you, dude, to be in your 40 shape. You know, you got the short shuttle, you got the, the 225 test and you got your routes and everything else that the, that the scouts are going to put you through. So it, I mean like your best physical shape, it's a different type of shape than in season football shape. I knew when the Giants called, I was going to have to keep myself in shape, Jay, right? Yeah, man, that was the goal. So when I came back, I made the decision I was going to stay in El Paso to train, you know, just because it was easier for me to kind of be away from any distractions in California. You know, I could be at my parents' house and just have full control and isolation the way I wanted it to be. And you stepped in for me, Jay, at a time that, I mean, I am I am forever grateful for what you did because dude, we took it to another level. It's crazy. I do. You know, right now, when I stop and think about that, you said, Hey, I've got to be ready for the giants and I need you to help. And dude, there was no question. There was no question about it. So remember though, let me tell you, dude, I haven't played ball in a few years. (laughs) So I was far from being in shape to be out there with you. Yeah. And, and it was like a, it was a growing process because I was like, as we were training and you jumped on the field with me, you know, you were working, you know, and I would go and lift and, and do the things that I could do on my own in the morning. And then when you got off, it was in the early afternoon, right? Because you yeah. started early. Yeah. We would go out and we we would do all the speed, all the agility. And I would just, and that was one thing about me. Like when I trained with all these trainers in, in Southern California, like my agent paid big money for these guys, right? Yeah. They were the best of the best. And I learned, I wouldn't just do the workouts. I would ask questions like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? So I could learn and understand it to be able to teach it. Yeah. So I taught you. Yeah. In fact, you taught me how to run. (laughs) I didn't know that my hill over ankle was that important. (laughs) So, I mean, but we hit it hard, dude. I mean, it was full time and you had a job that you were still working at. I think I was working at a um, phone place where. Yeah. um, Off off a railroad. Yeah. And I was making like seven bucks an hour, still staying at my parents' house. I had just got a car. I think I was paying like 180 bucks a month on it. Dude, I was trying to make it. I was trying yeah. to make it. And you were like, dude, let's get down. Yeah. Yeah. And dude, there was no question asked. We got down. We know, dude, that was the time when I said either I'm going to help him or he's going to have to find his own thing because <laughs> I'm struggling myself trying to yeah. figure out what am I going to do right. with my life. But dude, there was no question about it, man. We got down and I remember coming off. In fact, there was a few times uh, when you're like, hey, let me go ahead and get the car, you know, so I can go to the gym. So you would borrow my car. Yeah. And I'd give you gas money. You know, it was some it was some Doug, tough times. So Doug. that's that's the thing. Like everybody thinks NFL is, is glitz and glam. And, you know, I was an undrafted free agent. I signed for the league minimum. You know, that that my my contract, I was making 15000 a game, 9000 after taxes. Yeah. You know, when I got put on practice squad, that that. That got dropped to five thousand a week, you know, thirty two hundred after taxes. And dog, that money goes fast. Just to be able to live on. And you know, I didn't I had no other income and and it was a 
trying time for both of us, dude. I mean, those were our Carlos Rossi days. Dude, we, <laughs> <laughs> we had to get in shape. I mean, I had to get in shape. And, and, I, and I would tell myself, because I remember going to the gym for the first time when we try to, you know, because we were doing the 225 test. Mm-hmm. And I said, dude, I think I've only lifted 225, maybe like two reps, dog. Yeah. But I said, if the only way I'm going to help out is if I get with it yeah. and just push myself and take myself to a next level, dude. You committed yourself, and I think that's what, for me, like, solidified, you know, our friendship. Because, granted, I was out there with, you know, a quarter of a million dollar contract on the line, you know. And and you were out there because we were best friends. And that, to me, meant the world to me, you know. Because all those workouts, all those nighttime jogs that we used to do, you know, up in the mountains, you were right next to me. And I I love you for that, man. You know, and, and that was such a trying time when your dream, when you're living your dream. Yeah. And then it gets ripped from you. Yeah. And now you're trying to get that dream back. You're trying to make, I'm trying to land that roster And, you know, the Seattle Seahawks calls and, you know, they're like, hey, we're going to we're going to fly you up. We're going to put you through a workout. And by then, this was like three or four months into the season. I think it was like into December. And we had we had got our flow like we had our workouts down. We were running. I I remember timing you when we were working on our 40 and you were running like four fives. Dude, and I (laughs) I haven't run in years, it felt like, man. And, you know, you were in the best shape of your life. But I went up to Seattle. It was like below freezing, you know, when I went up there and I went out there and killed it. Ran a fast 40, caught all my passes and and did everything and, and was rewarded with the contract. But, you know, I look at you. You were my trainer. I mean, you were my trainer, you were my coach, you were my motivation, like you were there every step of the way uh, to help me get back on a roster, man. And I am forever grateful for you just because, dude, you were just, I mean, the shit we were doing was crazy. You remember that water tower <laughs> up there by, uh, what was that restaurant? That Oh, by the, yeah, what is it up on, what is it on, Alabama Street? Yeah, man, there's a water tower on Alabama Street. Kids, if you guys need a hill to sprint up, drive down Alabama Street, you'll see a water tower on the right side. And that was our Friday workout. Dude. we would How many times would we sprint? Like three or four times? And that was it. And that was it, dog. That yeah. was it. And it's about a hundred yard sprint with the incline. The degree of that incline is just, it's crazy, man. It's like what Jerry Rice uh, and Walter Payton and all (laughs) that were doing, man. We had to find our own. But, you know, I remember, you know, you had brought like a playbook or you were at least telling me, hey, these are the routes I need to run. Dude, I remember taking that to my house and trying to like perfect it. So because I was not only... (laughs) Like your trainer, I was your quarterback. Yeah, like I had to strengthen my arm because I remember you. <laughs> you played with Carr. You played with yeah. David Carr. Hey, and Carr could throw the shit out of that ball. Man. <laughs> so I mean, I remember like you, you like telling me, "Dog, bring it, bring yeah. it on that throw, throw. It, throw it as hard as you can." Yeah, oh, and there's so many different. I mean, yeah, it was tough times, and I know that you know me and you went through all that. But this is stuff that I've carried with me. Like till yesterday with me and Jonah's working out. Yeah. You know, that's something that, that I teach him a foundation of, listen, this is, 
this is how you start. This is how you build right. yourself. Yeah, it was. I mean, we went through so much during those years, and I never, I never had to to go back to California. You remember Chuck? Oh man, Doug Hicks that I was I was training with out in California. You know, it was like I knew because you know I got released from from the Seahawks right before the season starts, so I had to come back and. You know, the Texans winded up picking me up again and said, hey, we're sending you out to NFL Europe. And and we had to get in shape for that. Yeah, I remember that, uh, too. It was just like a day filled. I did like whatever I could do on my own. And then when I needed uh, somebody there to do the resistance training, to throw me balls like that's when you jumped in, Jay. And then, you know, we did our our nighttime run up in the mountains, man, uh, every night. And uh, you were just right there, man. And that's why I love you, because you were there. And that was a time when like, you know, when when you have that success, like making the the roster and in, I had about 15 people that came out to that first game against the Cowboys. And I'm paying like $250 for a ticket for all these guys. Like, There's no freebies in the NFL. You're making the money. You got to pay for it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when I got cut, Jay, like all those people are gone. You know? That's real life, man. And, uh, you know, that's a point in my life where I just, you know, I kept my circle tight, man. And it's been tight ever since, Jay. And you've been at the center of that circle, man. And, I, you know, I just wanted to formally... Thank you, you know, for everything you did for me back then. But really, man, it was it, we were doing it for each other. Dude, there's no doubt about that. We did do it for each other, man. That that right there built, like I said, it built our foundation moving forward in life, man. That's how that's how I approach things, dude. From what I learned from our workout on how you said, listen, if we're going to do it, we're going to go all out on it. Yeah, we man. only know one way, man. Yeah, and we did. And you know, when my time was finally done in the NFL, it was it was okay for me. Like I was okay with yeah. my decision like I'm done chasing this. Yeah. I'm done. I can do more things with my life. You know, I'm a smart enough guy to to make things work and 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 be creative and do things and 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 fall back on my education from UCLA. So, you know, but Jay, like, dang man, that that really like molded us into who we are today, man. You know, it's funny you say that that you know that that was a time that you said, "Hey, man, we're done," and I think that's the time when we both start gaining weight. <laughs> so, anyway, hey, I uh, feel like I've been on a diet. But, you know, when I was playing, I was on a diet my whole life. I got them Samoan <laughs> jeans, man. So I look at food and gain weight, dude. It's funny because like my guys at work, they're like, "You've been on every diet that I've ever even heard of." <laughs> I said, "I said, listen, man, you gotta understand my jeans, man." Hey, so so uh, you know. <laughs> I deleted all the pictures that I had on, on my Facebook, but when I finally like hung up my cleats, mm-hmm. you know, I, I moved that back out to California permanently with Karis, you know, cause she had always like stayed there. Yeah. You know, when I got cut, she was living with me in Houston. But when I moved back, man, dog, <laughs> I ate everything. <laughs> We're still eating everything. <laughs> hey, I can remember we there was a spot in California, man. They had the best breadsticks. And I used to sit in my bed and I'd have like a half a dozen. <laughs> That's a fat boy story, dog. <laughs> but I had gained so I was gaining like twelve pounds a year, dude. And I got I had got up to like three twenty at one point. Three thirty. You know, I think about it right now at my weight, which I'm not gonna disclose. 
Dude, you were you were three than... you were three plus for sure. How <laughs> <laughs> was that big? Uh, but I look at my weight right now, dude. You were like ten pounds lighter than me when you were playing. Dang. <laughs> so, but anytime you want to go hit that hill, man, you let me know. Yeah, I'm done with that. That's gonna be our flashback, man. It was good times, good times, good times. Jay, what's in the inbox this week, man? I get hit up so much from parents, you know, from around El Paso that ask and want input about their kids, you know, yeah. eight, nine, 10, 11 years old playing tackle football. And uh, you know, I always give them my honest opinion, you yeah. know, and my opinion is my opinion. And, uh, you know, Pop Warner and Little League is great for a lot of kids. That's where you build your fundamentals, man. Yeah, and you look at players like Reggie Bush and and big name guys that started off in in Pop Warner and and grow up to be successful. But my dad had a different view on it. Mm -hmm. And uh, you had uh, your situation that we'll get into. But let's just kind of talk about that. You know, I don't want to get into Pop Warner if it's right or wrong because there's no... There's no real answer. It's it's right for some kids. It's wrong for some kids, I think, is is the way that uh, I look at it. And for me, at least, and, and my brothers, we didn't play Pop Warner. You know, yeah. our, our first experience with football was uh, in middle school, in the seventh grade. Yeah. And that's something that, I mean, man, it's something that we need to think of because our kids are at that age. Yeah. They're at that age where, you know, it's, it's something like my son, he wanted to play football for a little bit and we talked about it and now he's playing basketball so but that's something that we need to talk about to see if 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 that's a route that he wants to take to you know if he wants to play tackle football or if he just wants to play the soccer the basketball you know the baseball stuff and there's a lot of kids like you know what like their parents put them out there in pop warner or little league or city league and they get hit and that's it yeah, it takes that one time. <laughs> yeah, so it takes that one time. It's quick. But, you know, I got what I what I share with 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 parents that reach out to me, you know, West, my my oldest, he's he's 10, about to be 11 in August, and he's 10 years old, almost 11. He's 5'7", 155 pounds. <laughs> so, I don't I, even like standing next to him anymore. I take him out to Little League. Where do you think they're going to put him? Catcher, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and you know, so he's not going to play football, not anytime soon. And, uh, but that's not, you know, for, for other kids, uh, you know, the choice to put them in, that's, that's my, that's my view. And I, and I see the same way. And that's just our decision that for right now, my kids are not going to play football. But growing up, Jay, growing up in the Northeast, you know, back then there, you know, Pop Warner is almost, Little League is almost year-round now. Dude, so let me tell you, when I was growing up, the way I started playing football was in the street, man. Yeah, me too. I mean, I'm talking, we were diving for the ball, hitting curbs. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's how we grew up playing football. There was one team that was just the team out in Northeast, and that was the Northeast Warhawks. Oh, yeah. You know, with uh, Coach Louie. Zeke, uh, Sue. Zeke and all them. Dude, they they ran it, man. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, they ran shop in... They had the elite, like the best of the best was playing for them. You know, my brother, Little Pat, he played for them. Isaiah Lee, he mm, played for them. Andrew Stahl. Yeah. yeah, and they had a lot of good players. And, you know, and my brother's like, hey, so are you going to go try out? 
And my mom was like, mm-mm, you ain't, you ain't playing. Cause <laughs> That's I was, the, you were the baby. Yeah, I was the baby, you know? So I had to try to convince her, hey, mom, there's going to be, you know, we're going to put pads on, we'll be good. <laughs> and then when I got out there, I went out for the season, and it was, I was a sixth grader, fifth going on a sixth grader, and first time going to, like, a team. Like, I didn't understand a lot of things about football. Like, I didn't understand how the plays came in. Yeah. I didn't understand that many about, you know, like, all these different positions. And, right. And dude, it was so confusing, but I I was so down. I was so down. So I went out there and it was cool, man. There was a lot of kids and there was a lot of good kids, you know, like there was some ballers out there. Oh, you know? yeah. So, you know, I went out to two practices and then I got sick. You know, I came down with the flu, so I couldn't go back to practice, you know. So, you know, I was thinking, you know, I'll just be out for one or two weeks. But then I got, <laughs> but then I got a, a nice little house visit from Zeke and Louie. And I was like, okay, so they're coming by. Dude, they told me, Jason, I just want you to know that I, you know, we, we want you to get better. So don't worry about coming back out. And I said, so my brother looks at me, he goes, dude, you got cut. Hey, hey that sounds like exactly what Dom Capers and Charlie Cashley <laughs> pulled me in the office when I was with the Texans. Dude, said, I felt so. Hey, we need to talk to you. <laughs> Yo, I was devastated, dog. I was like, you, hold on, you cut me? Well, just go ahead and show up next year. Hey, but do they even do cuts in Little League? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. For the people that don't know the rules, man, they don't even cut Little League, man. Damn, man. So I got cut on a team that don't even get cut. Wow. So, so it's not looking good. It's not looking good, man. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to keep balling, man. I'm going to keep, like, that was the biggest chip on my shoulder, dude. Yeah, that was your motivation. Dude, I. Because <laughs> you look at, I mean, the guys on our team at Irvin, you, you look at T.J. Baird. Yeah. You look at Danny, Danny Rivera. Rivera. You look at Marco Ramirez. Marco Ramirez was like the guy. Dude, our, he was our age. He was the guy. I remember dude. him. Like yeah. I remember when I got my number at Canyon Hills, I got forty four and they're like, You can't have that number. That's Marco Ramirez's number. <laughs> I was like, Well, he don't go to school here. Yeah, he gonna love that shit. He gonna <laughs> love that shit. Shout out to all my dudes, man. Those are like my brothers, dude. But those guys ran shop for the Northeast Warhawks. They won uh all those championships, like the Little Bulls, I mean, year after year. So when I started playing in junior high, which is my first year, like these guys had the like the upper hand on me, dude. Like these guys balled, you know, and these guys were good, dude. And I was a little bit intimidated, but I still had that chip on my shoulder, dog. And I. Yeah, you know, and, and I think back to when I was coming up. And I wanted to play football. My older brother, Hal, wanted to play football. But just like my son, Wes, like we were incredibly big, you know, growing up. And my dad was like, if I send you out to the Warhawks or I send you out to the Northeast Raiders, you guys are the biggest guys on the team. You're playing O-line. You're going to be on the O-line. Yep. And my dad wasn't going to have that. So... You know, my dad, just to give a little background on him, born in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, a, a little town outside of Baltimore called Havity Grace, Havity Graw, Aberdeen Proving Grounds. Cal Ripken Jr. Uh, oh, nice. grew up in the same little town. And my dad was an athlete, just like just like me and my brothers, man. You know, he played basketball, baseball, uh, football. And when he enlisted into the Army, you know, he retired from the Army, but he coached 
at the army ranks. Yeah. He coached basketball. He coached football. He coached baseball. So he had an understanding of sports and athletics and what it takes to be an athlete. And he implemented this system with me and my brothers. And when we were young, we started off, soccer was our first sport. Really? And, you know, we played it, you know, I can think of, I think kindergarten is when I started soccer and he had us playing soccer to develop our feet, our footwork, our quickness, you know, all that, you know, that comes with playing soccer. And then after soccer, he introduced baseball to us, you know, to work on our hand-eye coordination. We played baseball for many years. And then, you know, a couple of years after playing baseball, we started basketball. And basketball is, you know, developing that, you know, that explosion, that quickness that, that you get from basketball practice and playing in games. And all of that was to build and round out our abilities as athletes to combine everything into football. So I didn't put on a football helmet until I was in the seventh grade. Dang. Me or my brothers. Yeah. And, you know, we there was a learning curve because, you know, there was guys on the team that played Little League and Pop Warner who knew the plays. And, and just like UJ, like, just had, like, you know, that understanding of how football and football games work. And it literally, you know, by middle school, you know, you're going through puberty, you're, you're, you're changing, your body's changing, you're maturing. And it literally took me a year to get everything under grasp, like, yeah, understanding. Yeah. And, and, you know, that was to be expected. And, you know, middle school wasn't anything. I wasn't, you know, our teams weren't dominated at Canyon Hills. You know, I think we had losing seasons every year I was there. You know, we had barely enough guys to put a team together. (laughs) But athletically, the foundation and the fundamentals were there. Yeah. And that allowed me to go to Irvin. We talked about it already. And to start in a varsity game as a freshman. My third year playing football. That's crazy. Yeah. And that was like our path. That was our story. And you look, Jay, like it worked. My dad's plan worked. Uh, I mean, name three other brothers here in El Paso that uh, received Division One scholarship. You know, how uh, playing at UTEP, my younger brother, Don, you know, got a scholarship to SMU and then me at UCLA. That's not for everybody. Right. And, you know, there's some kids that can grow and mature and, and excel, you know, when they get into high school. But the reality, I think, Jay, and this is a tough conversation to have with parents. Yeah, dude, it's, it's, it's like 1% of like the college guys that actually make it to the league. And it's even a smaller percentage to make it to the next level. Yeah. So I think, and, and I look at those parents and, you know, if the odds are against you, then you know what? If you want to put your son in football at a young age and have him, you know, grow through that and high school is 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 the end point of that career, like why miss out on those opportunities? Again, this is this is our view on how we, you know, we see on how things are going and how we went through our times, man. It's- because there's no I mean, I mean, you look at this side of it too is A lot of those guys, Jay, that were playing with the Warhawks or playing with those East Side teams, like they were burnt out by the time we were juniors and seniors in high school. Yeah. 
You know, whether it was, you know, I look at, at uh, my boy, John Uphoff. He was a baller with the Warhawks at McGoffin. Yeah. He, he was. was holding it down. And then it seemed like by the time he got to high school, he was injury plagued. Like his body had just already taken that toll that, you know, shouldn't have happened maybe until college or, or, you know, if he's lucky enough to go on to, to play professionally. But, you know, he experienced that at the high school level. Yeah. So is that the so is that the kind of advice that you're giving to those parents is, you know what, this is the route I took and just allow them to kind of pick it. Yeah. I mean, I can't I'm not going to tell you to do one thing or the other. This is what I did. The reality and the statistics show at high school when you when they graduate their senior year, their their football career is done. Yeah. And, you know, for others like, you know, my dad had the foresight and, and, and the wherewithal to say, look, I want my sons to be peaking when they leave high school. You know, that's kind of our, our that was the method that, that, that he raised us with. That's what I'm using with my son, Wes. You know, he's, he, you know, he asked me every day. He loves football to death. He likes the Seattle Seahawks and, you know, he's watching NFL on Sundays but I told him already, like you, you're not playing until you're not playing yeah. until at least middle school. Yeah, and, and man, it's something Ed that you know we still we still have to deal with on a daily basis with our kids, man. I mean, it it might be something different next year, dude. That they might be physically thinking that they're ready, and, and unfortunately, we still got to knock that dream. I'll tell you right now, my son is not gonna play until seventh grade. <laughs> So, but, you know, I wanted to talk about that because I do get a lot of messages from parents just asking me for my advice. And that's what I tell them, you know, and and I'm up front with them. You know, what do you want for your children? You know, you got all this stuff with concussions that are coming around. Like, it makes me sick to my stomach to see some of these videos on Facebook. And it's like five and six year old kids like doing head-on collisions and they can't even hold their head up in the helmet and they're dealing with this so yeah well anyway that's a again that's a really touchy subject man but again that was our upbringing that's how that's how we went about it so that's what's in the inbox jay episode four dude four episodes man Hey, I, I think good. the honeymoon the honeymoon period is over, right? It's down to business now, dog. We're going on episode five. Yeah. We got yeah. the top QBs coming back. Yeah, and we got some studs coming back, man. Oh, yeah, man. You know. Hey, I was a fullback. You know, I played linebacker, but I still <laughs> consider myself a quarterback. Okay. So I'm looking forward to week five, our top five returning quarterbacks. And, you know, we are at over 500 downloads and subscribes for the coldest zone. Thank you, everybody. Please don't keep us a secret. Tell your friends, tell your family, coaches, tell your assistants. You know, we're giving great advice, not only for the players, not only for the coaches, but for the parents uh, that are out there and for all the football fans in El Paso. You know, we love Jay. Yeah, if, what if, we're doing, man, like it's like, dude, we've been doing this for a long time anyway. It just happens to be now it's recorded. What? So, Jay, real quick, before we wrap up, what is the coldest zone? Now that we we finished episode four, what is the coldest zone? Dude, that's a good question. I get that asked quite a bit now. And I said, you know what? 
Ed and I have been talking about this for years, dude. We, I mean, all this conversation that you guys hear, we were going to talk about it anyway. But since it does relate to certain things like the 915 Showcase or the El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame, I mean, these are all discussions that we have. And I think a lot of people, which we know now, are interested in this. And you know what was crazy? My dad, you know, he listens to the podcast and he's like, I didn't know some of those stories. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully it was a good one. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. Like, I think like going through my career, things just happen so fast. And when you're in it like that, like, you know, not living here and, and not talking to him the way, you know, I do now, like there's just a lot of stuff that, that was missed. And, you know, I'm, I'm just glad now that we have a platform, you yeah. know, we have already mentioned it. It's like, I mean, it's almost like with our flashback, like having a, a, a podcast diary of, of what we've been through for the last, you know, 40 years, you know, but the other thing that I did want to mention too, is Ed and I are not reporters, man. We're not journalists. We're not any of that stuff. So we're not here to give you guys breaking news. We'll talk about current events that actually reflect towards, you know, high school football, but I mean, we're, no, no, no. We'll leave the breaking news to, to Andy Morgan and, and, and our boy Colin Deaver. Yeah, man. But Those guys yeah. are the pros, man. But anyway. Hey, uh, we get we get some love to Lou Romano, too. Yeah, so. shout out to Big Lou, man. <laughs> yeah. But thank you, everybody, for listening. This is episode four of The Coldest Zone.